Hello friends, my name is Kent C. Dodds and with me is my friend Ian Sutherland. Say hi, Ian. Hi, Ian. There you <laughs> I, got, I got it right this time. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so I'm excited to be joined by Ian again. If you did not hear Ian's first episode, we talked about uh, just getting into things. We talked a lot about open source. It was very good. Um, that's where Ian introduced himself. So um, please go listen to that. Um, but we're just going to jump into this one. Um, Ian works on Create React app, and uh, and so lots of experience in building tools. And I think a lot of us sometimes see tool building as the responsibility of um, companies that have uh, developers as customers or open source projects or something. Um, and uh, and that definitely is. Um, I mean, that is an example of tool builders, um, but. I think that uh, we can all be tool builders uh, and Ian has a lot of thoughts on that. So um, anyway, Ian, what, what are your thoughts around developer experience and, and tool building just in general? Like why do you think that it's an important um, thing for developers to keep in mind? Yeah, I think um, so sort of, as you mentioned, I think people, I guess, first of all, for people that might not know DX um, stands for developer experience. Um, and I think people tend to think of that a lot in terms of, yeah, a company has like a SaaS product for developers. Um, they need to care about DX um, or, or an SDK or something for developers. That's DX. But I think you should also consider DX um, even just, you know, within your own team or your own company. Um, everything that your developers do every day is DX. Um, you know, how hard is it to... Uh, pull down all of your your company's code um, and get it all built and running locally. That's part of DX. Mm -hmm. um, you know what are what are some of the tools and processes around submitting PRs and and other things like that. The, all of that um, is DX. And I think by putting some thought and effort into those things and finding parts in that process that are maybe um, you know a little bit more difficult than they should be. Um, there, there's great opportunity to build tools and automate things and really unlock uh, developer productivity there. You know, the, the, I think about setting up the repo in the first place. And all I can think of is when I first started a company, how painful it is, like every single time. It's all, always just a huge pain. And nobody else thinks that it's a big pain except for me, who's just mm -hmm. getting started because they've all just gotten used to it. And so that kind of leads me to... Um, this question of like, when is it a good time to start investing in DX? Are, are there bad times? Should we just always spend our time investing in DX or, or when is an appropriate time to do that? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know if there's bad times. Um, there are maybe, there are maybe better times. I think, you know, if it's probably, if it's just yourself, um, I mean, you probably still care about your own time and not doing tedious, boring tasks. So um, you know, spending a little bit of time on it there maybe makes sense. But I think definitely as um, the company grows, um, it becomes more and more important as your team grows, um, especially if you're onboarding a lot of new people, like a good DX experience um, can make the onboarding process much, much smoother. Um, so I think that's somewhere where it, it's very valuable. Um, but yeah, I would say there's always, there's always um, things and processes that could be better or more streamlined. So there probably is no bad time to invest on the, in those things. It's kind of like the rule of like automated, automating something too, right? If, you're, if you find yourself spending a lot of time doing the same repetitive tasks over and over again, 
it's probably worth automating it and it's gonna save you some time and make you happier yeah yeah i i totally agree so like um uh, you, you know generators were a big thing like project generators mm -hmm. used to be a, a lot bigger and then create react app kind of came around and then we're like oh i guess i don't need these uh boilerplate projects for react any anyway right. but um when generators were a big thing um i had people ask me why i didn't use generators and my answer i actually answered this in my three minute podcast uh, three minutes with kent um but my answer is basically, I don't use a generator that I didn't make myself, but I absolutely recommend using a generator. Um, and I, right. I've had a generator for my open source projects. Th this is why all, all of my recent open source projects look almost identical. It's because they're all generated from the same thing. Uh, and it just saves me enormous amounts of time. And, and not only does it save you time, but it actually enables you to do more. You're, you're more likely to do it if it doesn't take... Uh, as much time. And so like, I don't think that I would have open sourced as much or, or done as much in, in that world if it meant that I had to spend uh, 20 minutes getting things set up before I could actually start writing the code. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I found myself making a lot of um, TypeScript CLI tools um, maybe last year. Um, and so yeah, I built a, uh, just like a Yeoman generator um, that does that for me. Um, it's just like a basic project with TypeScript and yargs for argument parsing, a um, couple other, you know, little uh, ESLint and things like that already set up. Um, and yeah, it's, it makes it so much easier to just, you know, I want to build a, I want to build a CLI that does one little thing um, and you just run the generator and off you go. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, like there's always that, there's the XKCD about um, the, like it's this big chart of how much time you spend automating a task versus how much time you spend saved because of that task automated. Yeah. And and what's missed in that conversation is um, the fact that um, if it's automated, you're more likely to do it. Um, right. And and so you end up doing doing much more. Uh, and so it, it absolutely is worth investing a little time in a Yeoman generator. That's what mine is. It uses Yeoman. Mm -hmm. Tried and true. It's been around yeah. <laughs> for like as long as I've been in Node. We've had, well, almost. We've yeah. had Yeoman. Um, and uh, yeah, so having these little project generators uh, just to, to get you going. Uh, in fact, there was somebody in my Discord community who shared this uh, VS Code extension that he made that like s spins up a really quick uh, project so he can play around with stuff. And you're just more likely hmm. to, uh, to do that stuff if it's easy. Yeah, exactly. And, and also if, if you're working on a team of people as well, um... You know, not everyone is as into building tools or or is into understanding all of the the little nuances that go into that. Um, so having something that can get them started right away, uh, yeah, is a big help. Yeah, you know, and what's also interesting is when uh, when when you have this, um, and this applies to any code that you end up sharing, whether it's tools or an abstraction or something. When it's built into what you're doing, so you have all these like little scripts or something. Um, or uh, or functions or whatever, um, or maybe it's just a list of steps to go through. Um, you're just gonna like basically do the bare minimum uh, for what mm -hmm. what you're doing. But when you decide to either automate it or abstract it or make make it special, you're actually gonna put more effort into making that experience better. Um, and so well, yeah, you start to get the the benefit of like incremental improvement and stuff there too, yeah. right? The the generator now is a repo in your uh, GitHub org and people mm -hmm. can start to, to improve that and, and, and add incremental improvements to that. So 
yeah, I agree. That's you're it's you're going to end up with a much better result. Um, and likewise, like uh, something that I've done is um, taken a, a bunch of those little scripts that are lying around to automate various tasks um, and roll them up into a CLI. Mm-hmm. It's it's fairly easy with with Node um, to make a CLI tool. Um, I'm personally a big fan of of the command line. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like those kinds of tools. I know they're not for everyone. Um, but yeah, if you have something like various like deploy and test scripts and stuff like that, um, just package them up into a CLI that you can share with your team. Absolutely. And I, I think that um, when with that incremental improvement, uh, especially like when we're talking about stuff like create React app or I have my uh, well, the React scripts package um, and uh, I have the KCD scripts package. Um, I've been able to make some pretty hefty improvements and I've seen React Scripts does the same, like upgrades Webpack and all everybody else has to do is update like the minor version in their package JSON and all of a sudden everything is like way faster or it's way better, like it bundles better, whatever it is. Uh, and it's just an enormous improvement. When I was at PayPal, I also made PayPal scripts. And um, all of a sudden, anybody who used PayPal scripts, they would get TypeScript support and they'd get auto formatting with Prettier. Are they like all of this stuff and they don't have to manage the like 30 or maybe 200 dependencies in the package right. JSON. It's just, just the one. And it just makes management of these, um, um, these processes even better as well. Well, I actually remember um, when you were working at PayPal and you talking about that. Um, and that was one of the things that that sort of uh, got me thinking along these lines as well. Um, that's another great example. It's really easy to build and publish an NPM package. Um, mm-hmm. So you can take, yeah, some common, uh, if there's common libraries and stuff like that that you're using in all of your services, just bundle them up into uh, a custom package like that and then install that into all of your projects. And then, like you said, it becomes very easy. You just bump that version number to upgrade everything. Yeah, just so much so much easier to, to manage over time. There are also um, tools that I, I've worked on that are not uh, like CLI tools, but like in-browser dev tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so when a, pretty early in my career, I decided it'd be really nice if I could um, see some information about the current build or um, uh, be able to change what feature switches were on or what language was showing up or various uh, different things. And so I created in-browser dev tools that would only render during development. Uh, I have a blog post about this, um, but uh, and I, at other companies, I, I've seen people make like Chrome extensions mm-hmm. or stuff like that too. Um, that's a, an enormous improvement for productivity. And that's the sort of thing that can be shared with the team as well. That's definitely something I've done in the past as well is, uh, yeah, build a couple simple Chrome extensions. Um, I think at the time that was around uh, logging into our app with various test sessions um, so I just made an, an extension that sort of made that a one-click process. Um, yeah, Chrome extensions are a great option. Um, even like even building simple web apps and dashboards, that's something like that I've used Create React app for um, at work is just throwing up like a, a basic like status status page or dashboard of some kind. Mm. Um, there's also you know Slack bots. Um, and all kinds of things like that these days, like various bots. Um, GitHub Actions is another big one. Mm. I've built a few custom GitHub Actions to automate some tasks there. There's really, really endless possibilities these these days, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, early on uh, in my career as well, I I remember 
Uh, so you mentioned having a, an extension where you, you click into uh, log into different test users and stuff. And, and I've had a, I never built an extension like that, but we had one uh, at some of the companies I've worked at. Super helpful. If you don't have something like that, I recommend it. Um, but uh, at one of the companies that I worked for, I um, also used uh, the Chrome DevTools snippets. And so it's just like little JavaScript files in the DevTools that you can save. Um, and with those snippets, you uh, just write arbitrary JavaScript and you hit execute and it's like you wrote it in the console. And so um, if I had something that I was doing over and over again in my UI, then I would build this little snippet in there and I'd execute it. And then it could automate doing a whole bunch of stuff in the UI, like click on this button, then open this modal, then click on this and that and whatever. And now you can even use React testing library or, or DOM testing library to query things easier. Um, but yeah, so if you have a repetitive task, even within but it doesn't even have to be your app. It could be somebody else's app. Right. Um, but uh, one thing say that, that... I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, uh, finish. So that one thing that I would do is once I had a snippet, if I found myself doing it a lot, then I would actually save this into the project in a git ignored file. And then I would dynamically require that. So I'd say, if this file exists, then require it and it'll just execute. Uh, and so then I'd have like an event listener on the history. And so when I land on this page, let's execute this script and it would do all this stuff. It was really, really cool. Um, and it, it saved me a ton of time uh, in developing the software. I haven't actually um, played around with that functionality. I should, I should check that out. I was going to say that sounds kind of like, I mean, you're basically building like um, um, Cypress or yeah. <laughs> Playwright or something, an early version of that. Yeah, you know, it, it, it kind of, was a little bit. Um, and, and actually, I, I've never actually done this actively, but uh, on testingjavascript.com, I show how to use Cypress as a, uh, I call it Cypress-driven development, uh, where you, you have Cypress script your way to the, the part of the UI that you're working on. So uh, there was one company I worked for where you had to um, click on this button and then click add and then click this other thing. And then this modal would pop up. You'd fill out this form with like 40 fields and then hit save. And my bug that I was fixing was what happens after you click save. And so I'd have to do that every single time. And uh, so this is one of the situations where I made that little script that I just hit go and it, it gets me into that state. Because I, I never trust hot module replacement anyway. Um, I, <laughs> maybe maybe yeah, I should become more trusting. <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely not perfect. Yeah, yeah. So I always refresh. And, and so, yeah, having just a little script that you can run that says, okay, get me from here to here. But it, yeah, you could do do the same thing with Cypress, and um, because it's ba it really is Chrome. Like you can pull mm -hmm. up the Dev Tools, you have React Dev Tools installed, everything. Um, then uh, you can script your way with Cypress to get into that state every single time you hit save. Cypress reruns it; it gets you there in like two seconds, and you keep on moving. That, that's, that's a huge productivity gain when yeah, you're working a, on something like that. That's a really great idea. Yeah. Well, cool. So um, other ideas of, of tools or, or tips that you have for um, the sorts of uh, developer experience enhancements that you um, that you do at work? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, so I already mentioned, you know, if you have those little scripts and stuff lying around, package them up into a CLI and distribute that to your team. Um, something actually that we're exploring now is, is actually building um, like an Electron desktop app um, mm. that's sort of a, an enhanced version of that CLI, um, like mm -hmm. I mentioned too, like not everyone's as comfortable with the command line. Um, I personally am, but that's not necessarily the way everyone likes to work. Um, plus, you know, the browser is a obviously a richer 
um, environment for, for displaying and interacting with things. So um, yeah, that's something that we're exploring is, is building yeah, a custom like Electron desktop app that we can distribute to the team. The great thing about that too, uh, you've probably seen in many Electron apps is the auto update functionality. So mm. if you push out a new version of these tools, um, people are automatically going to get a pop-up that says, hey, there's a new version, click and restart. Um, so it's a, it's a, it has a great like sort of built-in distribution mechanism. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that's one that I'm kind of excited to start working on. Um, but yeah, like I said, there really are endless possibilities. Like GitHub Actions is another really exciting one. Um, we've, my company has open sourced a few GitHub Actions. Um, I personally have open sourced a few GitHub Actions. It's a really great way to automate um, various like checks and things like that that happen as part of your process. Um, yeah, there, there's so many possibilities these, these days. And JavaScript, I think, is sort of at the core of a lot of these, even like building a Chrome extension, like you were talking mm -hmm. about. Um, it's actually, I remember the first time that I went to build a Chrome extension, it is actually quite easy. Um, like Chrome has like a really nice, they have, they have good docs and it's, you know, a nice SDK for here's how you build, um, you know, your preferences page and here's how you interact with the, the active tab and whatever. I mean, it's been a while. I'm probably a little out of date there, but yeah. <laughs> um, and, but, and then at the end of the day, it's just all JavaScript, um, you know, and same with like, I think working on create react app really, um, sort of opened my eyes up to that, that, oh, wow, you can really build like a pretty nice CLI tool, um, just with JavaScript. Um, and so I've, I've just been doing more and more of that. I even, um, I made my own wrapper around yarn, um, a little really? while ago. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it, so Yarn 2 came out and it had this feature where um, if you install, if you're in a TypeScript project and you, and, and I use TypeScript for pretty much everything these days. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're in a TypeScript project and you add a package, um, it will automatically install the types package that goes along with it if it exists. Oh. That's great. <laughs> and yeah, I, so I thought, oh, wow, I, I use Yarn 1. I really want that. Um, so I made my own CLI. It's called Blarn. Um, you, can find, <laughs> you can find it on GitHub. Um, but so I, I basically just made a wrapper that adds that functionality to the add command. And all other commands, it just passes straight through um, to the underlying Yarn. Um, and then since then, I've added a couple other um, you know, every once in a while I'll find a feature like, oh, I really wish Yarn did this. And so I just add it in there. <laughs> That's awesome. And actually, um, that, that makes me think of like, people might be interested to know how React scripts works and, and KCD scripts, PayPal scripts, they all actually work the same way. I, I got inspired by React scripts. Um, do you want to describe, uh, and, and I'm guessing this is how lots of automation tools um, work, uh, or at least um, that's that's how I would do lots of my automation tools. It's this mm -hmm. way. Do you want to describe exactly how does uh, React Scripts work? Does it re-implement Jest and re-implement Webpack? And it like right. it's just it's all I'm using is React Scripts, or how does that work with the underlying tools? Yeah, it actually just has dependencies on the underlying tools. It's kind of another way to think of it is sort of as like a meta package. It's a package that requires other packages. Um, mm. So if you if you dig into React scripts, you'll see that it actually just requires a bunch of things like Jest um, and Webpack and Babel and things like that. Um, and then it exposes a few scripts um, like start and build and things like that. 
that uh, your project can sort of trigger to, to yeah, trigger a build, run the dev server, things like that. Um, and then just exposes those via the bin links, which is a thing that a, a node package can expose. Um, so that's why in your project, all you see is React scripts start, um, which kind of triggers React scripts to, to run the, the script that's pointed to by start. Um, I don't know, that's not a very good explanation, but yeah. it's basically, that's basically <laughs> all it is. And then, and then also inside there is um, just a, a, a folder of our various configs, like our Webpack config and our Jest config and stuff like that. That's really all that it is, is, is those configs and a few scripts. Yeah, it actually, I would encourage people to go and take a look because it's not that complicated. I, I remember mm -hmm. when I was getting, I was thinking, oh man, React Scripts, that's so nice. It would be nice if I had something like that at PayPal. Oh wait, I guess I can. And I just went mm -hmm. and, and looked at how React Scripts works and like, oh wow. So like it ends up, uh, React Scripts doesn't um, handle uh, or it doesn't have a lint script or a format script or, or different things like that. That's not, that's kind of outside of the scope. Mm -hmm. But um, I decided I wanted to have that. And and really you just like take the arguments, you have a couple of defaults and you forward those on, you just say spawn process and you mm -hmm. spawn it on to this other child process and, and it ends up um, actually being pretty nice. Like let's say that you're using the this CLI and every single time you use it, you are passing this additional parameter well you just make a little script that uh encapsulates that and and forwards on that default um parameter every time and now you don't have to worry about it anymore yeah exactly it can be a great way to um that kind of like meta package pattern can be a great way of of distributing shared configs and things like mm -hmm. that you do have to be careful because it it then makes it harder if you need to customize those configs in any of your mm. projects um, but you can expose that in certain ways as well to allow for that uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a great way to to distribute those kinds of of shared tools. I mean, that's another mm -hmm. another great part of like the JavaScript ecosystem, right? Is npm um, and being able to easily publish and consume all of these different modules, whether they're from third parties or whether they're ones you've built internally for your team. Yeah, absolutely. And and on the note of uh, config. React script doesn't really allow you to configure too much, um, but I needed that for PayPal scripts. And what I decided to do um, was um, before I tell Babel to use the, the built-in config that I have, the first thing I do is check if the project has a Babel config. And if it does, then I just say, use the built-in one. Um, but then um, because there is value in the config that I've created, I make it so that people can extend my config that I created. And so then they can override different things. They can make changes to it. Um, but I'm still just saying, hey, um, Babel, you use the, the built-in or, or um, their config. And then they can just, um, in their config, they're extending mine. Uh, and so you kind of get the best of both worlds. If you don't need to ex extend it, then you don't even need to bother with a config. Um, but if you decide you want to extend or you want to customize it, then you can just extend the, the built-in one. It makes it really quite easy um, you know, relatively to, to make all of that, um, shared config actually be valuable. Right. And yeah, and, and if you're building, you know, for production setting and a work setting, that is probably more appropriate. Um, mm -hmm. whereas in create react app, yeah, we're kind of more focused on, um, hiding that stuff away from people who are new to react or in some cases even new to, uh, software development. So we, we try not to, to give them too many options. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? And as as somebody who's had to work around that um, decision a lot, I still think it's the right move. Um, I I think it's it's a good decision to uh, just lock that down. Um, 
And uh, I, I only say I've had to work around it a lot because I always do weird things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always the one like taking the tool in a direction it wasn't supposed to go. Well, we've, um, we've at least tried to make that possible by allowing you to specify your own scripts, uh, like your own, mm -hmm. instead of React scripts, you can specify your own version. Um, so yeah, we, we at least try and leave that escape hatch there for people like you that want to want to mess around and, and break things. Yeah, yeah. I, I really want to stick with React scripts as the package, but maybe, maybe I should just fork it a little bit and, and make a couple of modifications so I don't have to work around quite as much. It ends up working out okay. Um, and it, like I said, it's just been enormously helpful to me. So, um, okay, cool. So I did want to um, add a, uh, or talk about a word of caution on like, maybe we could spend too much, so much time on, um, on DX that we forget about UX. So where, where's the balance here on um, like, is there ever a time where it's appropriate to make the user pay a cost because we wanted a better develop it, development experience? Or where's the where's the line there? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I would say probably not. Um, it I'm sure like most things, it depends. It depends on what your product is and on what your mm. um, who your users and your consumers are. Um, but yeah, I would say in general, no. You probably shouldn't be sacrificing um, your user experience in exchange for a better developer experience. Um, usually, as developers, we're the ones that have to pay the price sometimes so that uh, <laughs> so that the end users um, have the better experience. And yeah, you can't always automate your way out of that or get away from that. Um, and yeah, I don't think you should if, if it comes at the expense of the user experience. Yeah, so I, I kind of see um, this sort of automation or um, developer experience thing is like, um, the reason that we do this is so that we can be more productive to serve the user better. Right. And right. That, that's the ultimate goal is to, you know, whatever the mission of the company is, so long as it's a, a good mission, um, you're the, the purpose of everything that you do is to drive that mission forward. And um, DX is important because it allows you to uh, to accomplish that mission faster. Most of the time, that's that's normally what you're going for. Is there any other reason to uh, other than like improve developer productivity to have these tools? Uh, I mean, I really think that's the the main reason. I mean, you can also use them for for um, kind of fun sometimes too. You know, there's nothing wrong with um, you know making a, a silly Slack bot or um, mm. or uh, what we one of the things we do is um, we have a couple different leaderboards. Um, so our Slack bot on Friday, for example, will post the leaderboard of um, who reviewed the most PRs, um, who merged the most PRs, um, and that's kind of like a fun competition among the developers like you know we don't take it too seriously it's not mm. like that doesn't factor into your you know performance evaluation or anything yeah, like that it's, <laughs> it's just for fun um or we we have a leaderboard of um, code coverage um in various services so everyone's you know always trying to get their service into the top or mm. we kind of have the inverse of that which is like the slow query um leaderboard <laughs> you don't want your you don't want your team service to appear on that one that's funny um, but yeah, little little things like that. They they kind of make it they kind of make it fun, make it a little bit of a challenge. Um, you know, gamify things a little bit, give people a reason to to um, you know put in a little extra effort, maybe to claim that you know first first place on the on the leaderboard or whatever, just for bragging rights, really. Yeah, sure. Well, and and um, it it is fun, and there's also I can't remember where the um, um, I think it was. 
uh, Boyd K. Packer said, uh, when performance is measured, uh, performance improves. When performance is measured and uh, recorded or reported, the rate of improvement accelerates, something like that. Uh, right. And so when, when you have um, those sorts of reports or things, um, it, it makes you think about those things more. So like right. if you say, hey, like we're kind of struggling making sure that our, um, uh, we have everybody reviewing the code that's supposed to be like, you know, sometimes people just go rogue and commit straight to master or something like that. Then um, having some way to report that, record it, uh, we'll just get it on people's minds more and, and they'll, um, it'll direct their behavior in the, the, where you want it to go. Right. And there's also the flip side of that too, right? You can game some of those things like, oh, I'm just going to make a hundred tiny PRs and then I'll win. Um, mm. But I mean, you're really just competing against your peers um, yeah. and probably they're going to notice that, um, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to get called out for it. So, yeah. And, and, uh, I think that you can get that performance improvement, um, even when it's, um, when it isn't directly tied to your compensation, um, which as you said, like, I wouldn't recommend, um, tying something like that to compensation because yeah, then I, it will be gamed. I, exactly. I think that's where, where those things kind of start to fall apart. So if they're more just kind of fun metrics for bragging rights on the team or whatever, I think that stuff, um, in my experience anyways, works really well. Um, I, yeah, I would not use it for something beyond that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. It's, it's a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, talking with me about um, improving developer experience. We do have some uh, homework for folks. So what we decided on was identify one thing you do a lot and automate a tedious part of it. And uh, yeah, I think that would be a good thing for people to do. <laughs> yeah. And don't, don't be afraid to build your own tools. It's easier than it sounds and you'll learn something. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Hey, thank you, Ian. Um, we'll have you repeat really quick. How do people get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, probably the best way to find me is on Twitter, um, at Ian Sue, I-A-N-S-U. Just send me a message. Awesome. And uh, I'm sure that if somebody built some fun tool or, or some productive tool, you'd love to hear about it. Absolutely. <laughs> It'd be fun. Yeah. And mention me too. Um, cool. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure to chat with you, Ian. Um, and thanks everybody for listening, giving us some of your time and you all take care. We'll see you later. Bye.